Jesus this morning. Amen? Y'all, y'all, didn't, y'all didn't sound thankful for Jesus. You're thankful for Jesus? Yeah? All right, yeah. Thankful for Jesus this morning. He's so good to us. Remember those who aren't with us this morning. Uh, I know of at least uh, four of our families dealing with uh, flu and uh, different things like that. So uh, let's remember them. Lift them up in prayer. And uh, it's good to have Kim with us this morning with Matt. Uh, glad she's here with us today. And um, we're just thrilled to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Because coming to the house of the Lord gives us an opportunity to see ourselves as we really are, right? And also to see him as he really is. Amen? And that's our goal, right? When we come in the door... We use scripture, we use music, we use these things as an opportunity for us to accomplish those two things, right? To see ourselves the way we really are, not the way we project we are, not the way we want to be seen, but the way we really are, because through the eyes of God, and as we see him as he really is, it reveals those things. So we're in a series that we started last week called, um, What's Your Story? What's your story, right? And uh, we've heard that question asked a lot of different times in a lot of different ways of a lot of different people in a lot of different settings. And I kind of shared last week as we introduced the setting um, that it's something I use when I interview people a lot. Um, You know, I'll talk to them about their resume and their tech stuff and and yada, yada, yada and everything else. But then I want to really dig into who they are and I'll tell, well, so what's your story? And what I have found over the years since I came up with that idea is I found that people have a really hard time telling me what their story is. Number one, they're wanting to tell me what what they think I want to hear, right, because they're in an interview. But then number two, when when we kind of get past that, I find that they really have a hard time putting their finger on who they are and what they want to be because they're somewhere in between, right? And I think that's true of all of us, right? If we were all very honest, we, we aren't where we want to be 100% in our life, right? Whether, whether we look at that spiritually or we just look at that, you know, in, in normal life, none of us are probably 100% where we want to be. So we're in that transition phase of, well, I'm this, but I want to be this, and I'm trying to do this, and I'm trying to do it that way. And, and so that becomes really confusing, and it becomes really Uh, crazy sometimes, right? And instead of really finding ourselves pursuing what we should be, we kind of find ourselves in chaos, right? And the world gives us a lot of that. So we kind of introduced that last week, and we we reminded you uh, of God's words to Jeremiah in the Old Testament when he tells us that he formed us in the womb, right? Now, we've heard that, we've heard that, Jeremiah verse used a lot of times, you know, I had, you know, I, I, as I prepared you, as I made you, as I formed you, I had plans for you, right? We've heard that a million times, but what I wanted to point out to you last week is the scripture clearly says in the King James Version that he formed us in the womb. God formed us in the womb, and in the womb he placed in us our purpose. He placed in us what we could be. He placed in us who he saw us to be in the womb. 
It's not something that, that happens over time. It's not something that God all of a sudden says, oh, that would be good for you, right? No, in the womb, the Bible tells us this is, this is your story. This is who you are. And I am going to provide everything you need to accomplish that. Everything. Not some things. Not, well, if you do this much, then I'll do this much. That's not what God promised Jeremiah, was it? God promised Jeremiah everything. He said that I will tear down all of the mountains. I will tear down all of the strongholds. I will tear down all of the evil that comes against you. I will tear it all down. I have already empowered you to do this so that ultimately you can build and you can plant. Amen? And, and no matter what our talents, no matter what our calling, no matter what our quote-unquote job is as Christians, we're ultimately all pushing to that place where we are building and planting. If you're not building and planting, then, then you've kind of missed the, the point. You've kind of missed the point. There is, a, there is an, uh, an objectification, if you will, right? There is, there is a plan from God that we are constantly building and constantly planning. And um, I think we have to understand that. Because if not, we get lost. We get caught up in that chaos. We get caught up in the stuff. And, and we lose sight of where we're supposed to be. And here's why I want to ask that question of people I interview. Because I want to see that no matter what the setbacks are that they've encountered, I want to see that no matter what the limitations are that they think they have, I want to see that they have the, the, uh, the eye of the tiger, if you will, put a little Rocky in, right? right? I want to see if they have that oomph in them to push past the stuff, right? Because sometimes you get some nasty clients, right? Sometimes you get some, some, some bad situations. Sometimes blows come at you, and here's what happens. If you don't have the faith and if you don't have the trust in God's promise of what he did in the, in the womb, what he did in the belly, if you're not relying on that fully, guess what happens? You quit. You quit. I've pastored or in some manner or another for almost 30 years, including my time as a youth pastor. And in almost 30 years, I have had numerous people come to me after church. Hey, Trey, I, I really think we should do this. Great, do it. That, that, my wife can tell you, it has been rare that any idea, I mean extremely rare, that any idea has ever been brought to me that I said no. Now, occasionally there are some things of, okay, that's a great idea. Let's, let's do this. And then step into that because, you know, you got to put things in order, right? you got to make sure the money's there. you got to make sure all of the stuff, right, happens. But I have never told anyone, no, we will never do that. Because my belief is, as a pastor, my belief is, it is my job that if God puts something in you and on you, it is my job to get behind that 100% and to see you succeed. Right? Build and plant. Right? That's my job. So rarely have I ever said, absolutely not. Because I'm more interested in what God's doing 
than, than any other preconceived agenda. To be honest with you, I have no agenda other than to, to empower you with what God wants to do in your life. And if God wants to do that, whatever that is, I'm all in. And I will help you in however I can. But what I find, and I think it's important when we start to assess our story, when we start to try and figure out who we are, when we start to determine what our next step is going to be, and, and we're, we're trying to answer that question of what is our story, I think it is important for us to determine whether or not we're quitters. Because if we're a quitter, guess what? I can promise you that when you start on the road to your story, when you say, yes, God, you made me this in the womb and I'm going to do it, I'm going to walk it, I'm going to live it, I promise you, Satan freaks out, right? Satan has that old crap moment and everything else. This, this guy's catching on. And, and, and if, he, if he starts walking in this, if he starts living in this, if she, if she starts feeling the power and God starts moving in her life, I will never control her again. I will never withstand her ability to shake and rattle my cages. Don't deal with this now. So I promise you he is going to distract you. He is going to deter you. He is going to frustrate you. He is going to give you every reason to quit. And a lot of us do. A lot of us do. And we never fulfill our story. We never become what it is that God, not what, not what a teacher or a, a, a Sunday school teacher or, or your mom, your dad, or, or anyone said that you would be, I'm talking about your story. A lot of us have a lot of ideas. A lot of us have a lot of want-tos, but I'm talking about your story. See, your story is already written. We covered that last week, but your story is already written. God already knows who you are. God already knows what you are, and God has already empowered you to accomplish it, right? And I want you to embrace that today. I want you to embrace this is who I am. This is my story. And I will not be deterred in it. I will not be defeated in it. I will walk in it and I will live in it because God has empowered me. Yes, this is hard, but God is here. Yes, this is difficult, but yes, God will tear down the mountains. Yes, this is, this is heart-wrenching, but yes, God will uphold me. That is who I want you to become. I want you to see yourself walking in that power and walking in, in that ability that God has in place in you. That you are not relying on yourself. You are not relying on the favor of the person to your left or the person to your right. But you are fully reliant on him, his favor, and his power. Because when you tap into that, when you tap into that, there is no way you can be defeated. There's no way you can be defeated. I've shared with this with you many times, and we'll get into the scriptures. I've shared this with you many times, and I think it's so important that we believe it. We talk about the scriptures when Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And ultimately, Peter says, you're the Christ. And as they're working through that and talking with that, Jesus says, thou hast well said, and the gates of hell 
I, I will build my, my rock upon this church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, right? That's in the translations we read. But if you take that back to the original Greek and Hebrew, that is translated in the gates of hell shall not withstand it. And I think it's important that we understand those things because it, it, it edifies and, and, it, and it confirms what we're, we read in Jeremiah when Jeremiah says that God has given all of the ability and all of the power to tear down the strongholds that would stand against us, right? So it is, you know, Jesus is now confirming ultimately what Jeremiah said when he said that the gates of hell shall not withstand the church. The church was always meant to be the aggressor. The church was always meant to be the aggressor. But because we've become afraid, because we've become intimidated, because we don't believe we're capable, because it got too hard, because I don't have enough time, because of all of the stuff that we allow to limit our mind, not our spirit, amen? Not your spirit. If you are walking in the spirit, those things, those things should not phase you, amen? But in our minds and in our hearts and in our flesh, they will limit us. And sometimes they will defeat us if we let them. And so you have to determine what your story is. God intends you to storm against the gates of hell. And he promises that those gates won't withstand what you bring. Amen? So I want us to think about not quitting today. When we think about our story, I want us to think about not quitting today. And, and my wife's going to love this because when I think about the scriptures and I think about the people who press through there's, there's nobody who probably makes more sense to share with you today than Joseph. Right? Joseph's her favorite story in the Bible. It's why Isaac's middle name, or Isaac's first name is Joseph. We call him Isaac, but his first name is Joseph. is because that was her, her favorite um, thing. Funny, funny thing about that, when Luke almost was named Harley. Harley Joseph, because we, we didn't plan on, on having a baby so quick. You know, three months into our, our marriage, she gets pregnant. And uh, we didn't plan on having a baby, so she wouldn't go look at the, the pregnancy test that she did in the bathroom. She made me go do it. And so I had to go into the bathroom, look at the pregnancy test, clearly pregnant, right? So I come back to the bedroom, and I tell her, and we're getting ready for bed. And so we're, we're kind of laying there, and we're kind of talking about this idea of, holy cow, we're going to have a baby a whole lot sooner than we thought. And we're talking about that. So I jokingly say to her, well, this means there's no way I'm going to be able to afford a Harley now, so we're just going to have to name it Harley, him or her, right? And, and it stuck. So the next day I come home from work, she fixed us a salad, and, and we're sitting at our little kitchen table in our little garage apartment. We're sitting there eating that salad and everything else, and she goes, okay, I've been thinking. And at that time I didn't know how serious that was, but over 30 or 24 years I've learned that when she says that, okay, stop everything you're doing and pay attention because this is going to be really good or really bad, right? But in that moment, she goes, I've been thinking. My favorite story in the Bible is Joseph. So if it's a boy, we'll name it Harley Joseph. And if it's a girl, we'll name it Harley Joe. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at her and I'm like, you're serious. And she's like, yeah, weren't you? And I was like, <laughs> no. And, um, but it stuck, and, and up until the week Luke was born, he was going to be Harley Joseph. And then someone come into the room and say, we're really shocked that you're not going to name him from the Bible. And we kind of looked at each other and like, well, we never thought about that. And we were still stuck on Harley, but we started flipping through the scriptures, and, 
and everything else and throwing names out and everything and, and Luke hit and we're both like Luke we love Luke and so that's how he became Timothy Luke but, jo- but Isaac Isaac is Joseph Isaac so in case you didn't know that already so anyway it's my wife's favorite book of the Bible what a great story if you will what a great happening of scripture for us to look at and learn from but what I want us to think about this morning, and I'm not going to go into all of the details of Joseph because literally we could probably, we could probably do like a hundred sermon series off of the life of Joseph. There's a lot. It's rich and it's great. If you don't know all of the intricate details of his story, I encourage you to read it. Uh, it will help you in life. But there's three main things I want us to look at today because I think if we don't grasp these things, and Joseph gives us a great example of these things, if we don't grasp these things and we're not over to able to overcome these things, we will fail and quit, right? And I, and I think all of us have probably quit at one point or time before. And so my goal into sharing this with you and to being blunt about the fact that we're all quitters at times will help you and encourage you to hopefully not quit and take hold of what God it is wants you to do. So when we think about Joseph, we look at uh, chapter 37, And we're going to look at that. Bob should have it on the board for you. And and starting at verse 5, it says, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him more. And he said unto them, Here, I pray you, this dream which I have dreamed, for behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaves, stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon Eleven stars made obeisance to me, and he told it to his father and his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? What we need to understand is when we grab hold of our story, it's our story. Right? It's our story. It's what God speaks to us. It is what God reveals to us. And it's going to seem really odd to other people. It's going to seem even offensive to some people. It's going to seem like something isn't right, and people are going to question you and challenge you and even rebuke you for your story. Don't let that bother you. Don't let that push you down or hold you back. Everyone that comes into your life, everyone that comes into your story will not be a supporter. Satan will ensure that there are people there to hinder you and you and hold you back. Give those people to God. Give those people to God. He will handle that a whole lot better than you will. Amen? There have been countless times over the years that I've had to take a step back. And everybody around me, man, I, you, you, you 
you ought to do this and you ought to do that. I was like, no. God will prove me. God will, God will handle this. God will deal with this righteously, and I don't need to. I have too many more important things to focus on. Now, early, early in my ministry, I wasn't, I wasn't so easily moved, right? I wasn't I was, I was quick to, I was quick to respond, and the blood would, would flare up and, and everything else, and I would get angry and blah, 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 blah. But as I learned the power of God manifesting itself in me, and I learned his ability to work in my life, and I began to step into the confidence that comes from knowing that the God of heaven and earth is tearing down the strongholds that rise up against me, and I don't need to, and I just kept pressing forward and allowed him to do the dirty work. I found that a lot of the opposition, I found that a lot of the problems, I found like a lot of the bad people just seemed to disappear. Amen? So much so that in the book of Lamentations, I began to pray, Lord, reveal the evildoer. Reveal them. Let them be seen openly. Show them to the whole world, God. Because I'm going to keep marching. I'm going to keep marching. I'm going to keep doing what you want me to do. I'm going to live the life you have for me. I'm claiming my story, and I'm going to live in it to reveal the evildoer and let the whole world see him for what they are. Why? Because when I focus on the opposition, what happens? I'm no longer focused on God. I'm no longer paying attention to what God is wanting to do in my life. I'm no longer hearing the whispers of heaven in my ear. Instead, I am embattled in the rage and I am embattled in the difficulties of the warfare where the greatest general we could ever have is saying, I've already got this battle won. Just march and I will deal with the enemy. I will take care of the adversary. I will deal with those who rebuke you and I will deal those who question you greatest pieces of advice i ever got years ago it was early in my ministry and 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 i was really coming out of that 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 immature hey wow this is cool stage and and really starting to step into the idea of man there's a whole lot more important things to this than than me you know caring about the plaudits and the things that come with it amen and that's that's a that's a trouble spot for a lot of young preachers Amen? So I would encourage you as, as God would move and, and as we have kids grow up and people begin to step in their callings and everything else like that, that we guard them in these things. Amen? Because it's easy to kind of let, let our pride get a hold of us and never really truly step into the power God has for our life. So I, I would encourage you to help with that. But I'll never forget advice I got from a man one time. He came up to me and he said, you need to quit worrying about proving yourself. You walk with God, and he'll prove you. You don't need to prove yourself to anyone. If this is a calling, if this is something that God has anointed you with, you have nothing to prove to anyone. God will do all the proving. Amen? A lot of times we quit because we think we're not good enough. A lot of times we quit because we think, I don't, I don't, I can't do that. I don't have it in me. A lot of times we don't even get started 
because we think it's too big for us, our ability, our talent. What will people think? And God comes and says, I don't care what people think. I don't care what needs to happen. I, I hold I hold it all in me. If you need this, I'll anoint you with it. If you need that, I'll anoint you with it. If you need the ability to overcome this, I'll overcome this for you. If this mountain is in your way, I will tear it down. But just keep marching. You see, sometimes that's, that's why answering the question of what is our story is so difficult is because we see all of the reasons we think we can't be what God wants us to be instead of listening to the voice of God who tells us we can. We give every reason and we give every excuse. And if you think for one minute that Satan isn't going to show up every single day and defeat your mind and defeat your heart, then he will. He will. But you show me those strong enough to say that in spite of this and in spite of that, in spite of him and in spite of her, in spite of them, I will finish my story. Amen? One of the greatest moments in Scripture was when Paul was able to example before us what that feels like. When Paul was able to stand there, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get lost in that because I'll never get back to the rest of this message, but when Paul is able to stand there knowing that he is going to face God in a matter of minutes, and he said, I have finished my race. Think about that. To be able to stand before Christ and to be able to confidently say that when I failed, you picked me up. When I stumbled, you steadied me. When I made a mess, you cleaned it up. When I faced opposition, you helped me overcome and I finished my race. I completed my story. I did what you put in me in the world. And I finished it. Amen? And I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes our family is the toughest. Right? There's been a lot of times I've come home and I've told Sam, this is, this is what God's saying to do, and she gives me that look. And I'm just like, you're going to have to pray about that, because I'm pretty confident this is what God wants me to do. I pray about it. It's not like I don't stand there pounding my hand on a desk, dictating. But, but we come together and we pray about that, and, and and we move in that together and we allow God to speak and we, we have an agreement where if, if the door is open, we go, we walk. And I'm going to be honest with you, there's a lot of times that I haven't liked the idea of what God says to do, right? But I've always found that when I just go through the doors that he opens, it's amazing what he brings and what he does into our lives. Amen? God will surround us or, or Satan will surround us with the negativity needed to make us quit, right? He will surround us with the stress to make us quit. He will surround us with the, the earthly pressures to make us quit. He will surround us with everything needed to make us quit. Amen? But we have to choose to keep going. And here's, here's what I want to say to you. If God gives you a story... Amen. Joseph, it was, Joseph's story was given to him through dreams. And I'm not saying yours will be in dreams. Yours might be through a, 
prophetic word yours might be through through an encouragement this just might be something that you feel in your heart kind of like i shared last week luke's five years old in a, in a doctor's office and little kids come calling up on his lap and everything else like that is how he discovered his story and that he needed to be involved with kids and and so on your your story will be communicated to you a million of different ways and the way god communicated me i woke up in paris island boot camp dreaming that i was preaching right you've heard me say many times as if i didn't have enough problems in the middle of marine corps boot camp i'm waking up dreaming of preaching you don't get it do you that was traumatic for me i'm just gonna say you still don't get it anyway um i was like kind of joking some of you are laughing some of you get it um but god will reveal your story to you a number of different ways and the way he does it to me won't be the way that he does it for you the way that he did it for joseph may not be the same either but when god reveals your story i want you to grab it i want you to communicate and I want you to walk in it. I want you to communicate it to those who will, tr who, who will provide trust, who will provide a foundation, and will provide you something stable to walk in. Amen? And if you seek those people out, God will provide them. God will send them. God will surround you with the people who will empower you to do the things that he's called you to do. Amen? And, and I'm going to be honest with you, we, we live with a lot of negative people, right? And, and negative people will creep into our life. And I'm going to tell you, if there's someone who's constantly telling you all of the can'ts, someone who's talking bad about everybody, someone who never measures up in their idea or their mind, probably best not to lend your ear, okay? Because I would say they're a tool of Satan showing you and giving you every reason not to be who you're called to be. Amen? And that hurts. That hits. And there's been a lot of friendships. There's been a lot of things that I've, I've kind of had to walk away from. I don't disown them. Amen? But there's had to be a lot of people that I'm like, you know what, I'm going to love you, but I'm going to love you from afar. I'm here anytime you want me. I'm here anytime you need me. But I don't need your negative lips in my ear anymore. Because I, I have a story. I have a story, and I'm going to live it. I'm going to live it. I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to be exactly what it is God has called me to be. Amen? You have to determine that. Trust me, Satan will put the negativity around you. There will be people like Jacob who rebuke you and, and question you. Are you sure that's what God really said? Are you sure this is what God's really trying to do in your life? That just doesn't make sense to me. Learned a long time ago, God doesn't make sense to us a lot. Amen? And, and we need to learn to deal with that because he sees the whole picture. And, and, and sometimes we just got to trust. Sometimes we just got to trust. The I's don't dot and the T's don't cross. And for a guy like me who works in that environment every day, that's tough, right? Because some, I, I want logic behind what I'm supposed to do. And the logic isn't there. It's tough for me to, okay, we'll walk through that door. But sometimes that's what we got to do. So here's what I want you to understand. If you dream, if it's something that God has placed in you, to communicate it, and you need to walk in it. And you let no one, no one deter you from accomplishing that. Amen?
They'll be all around you. They'll be all around you. And the more focused you are, the more there will be. But you decide who you listen to. You decide who affects you. You decide. You decide whose voice is greater, theirs or God's. Amen? Joseph, I, I've heard preachers say that Joseph was, was too braggadocious and Joseph was this and Joseph was that, trying to rationalize the friction between him and his brothers. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't see that. I get the jealousy because of the coat of many colors things. If anything, that's Jacob's fault. That's not, that's not Joseph's fault. All I see Joseph doing is communicating what God showed him. And trust me, when you start to communicate what God has shown you and what God is wanting to do in your life, people will stand in opposition of that. And you need to decide not to listen and move on. Amen? So don't quit. And the first step to not quitting is not to give your ear to those who will stand in your way one way or the other. Trust God, trust him completely, and believe if that's the story he's placed in you in the womb, then he will see it through. And when you start living that power in your life, God will begin to do a great thing. Jo Joseph moves on. And again, I'm not, I'm not preaching all of Joseph to you, but I'm using him as an example for this. And, and if we, we jump over to chapter 39, what we find is we find that, that God begins to do things in Joseph's life, right? Joseph finds him himself, and because of his ability to interpret dreams and different things and, and God's power moving upon him, Joseph begins to find himself in power and accomplishment in his life. And, and friend, I'm going to tell you what, when you stand against the opposition that, that this world gives you and you trust God to do what God promises he will do, you will find successes, right? And, and what you have to do is you have to ensure that you're not giving yourself to something less. Joseph could have easily said, man, this sucks. Joseph could have easily said, well, it's all messed up now. Got thrown in a pit. Even my cool coat's gone. Right? I'm thousands of miles from home. This just sucks. Could have gotten angry. Could have gotten bitter. But did he? What did Joseph do? He worked all the harder. He worked all the harder, right? He worked harder. He became step by step, ish, instance by instance, situation by situation. He became what God called him to be. And he didn't do it on some big platform where he got every accolade in the world. He did it in the trenches. Kind of like Jesus, right? Where did Jesus serve? On some big throne? No, Jesus served among the people, didn't he? He walked with them and he loved them and he served them and he changed their lives. Kind of the same thing with Joseph. He wasn't all caught up into some earthly glory. He was caught up in his story. He was caught up in who he was supposed to be doing what he was supposed to do. And so in chapter 39, we find 
that Joseph is now in charge of Potiphar's house. And he says this. I don't have to put my glasses on if I read it up here. So I'm going I'm to read it from up here. I don't have to put my glasses on. It says, And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God blessed the Egyptian for Joseph's sake. The enemy has now become something that, oh wait, God is using, kind of like back in Jeremiah last week, where God will tear down the things that need to be tore down, will bring down the mountains so that we can rise up and begin to build and plant the way God wants us to do. Wait, what? Scripture's accurate? Yeah, it is. It's absolutely accurate. Now I'm no longer a slave. Now I'm no longer even a slave master in Egypt. But I am, I am in charge of Potiphar's house. And Egypt is getting blessed because of me. Don't tell me God is not capable of doing what we think to be impossible. Don't tell me that God will not move mountains and not move politics and not move all of the stuff that gets in the way when we choose to walk where God wants us to walk. All of Egypt was blessed for Joseph's sake. Go on, Bob. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had save the bread which he ate. What does that mean? It means Potiphar trusted him so much and so deeply that he didn't even know how much money he had. He just showed up at the table and ate because he knew the character, he knew the righteousness, he knew the power that existed within Joseph, so he trusted him. And just showed up and ate. Because he believed, he believed. Friend, let me tell you what, when you find favor with God, when you find favor with God, he will put the people in your life, he will put the people in your church, he will put the people around you that you need to accomplish great things. And when you see it and you see the void, you start praying to God for what you need and he'll send it. I believe it. You start praying to God for what you need and he will send it. He will bring it, he will give it to you. Amen. I've never been. I've never been someone. I got, I got in trouble at a church I pastored one time because they came to me with all these money issues, and I was like, "Well, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm a pastor. You guys need to seek God. You guys need to seek God. You guys need to to let God minister to you and figure this thing out." Amen. I, I'm focused on heavenly things. You guys figure the money out. That's why you're called trustees. Amen. They didn't like that. Well, that's never been the way it is before. I said, well, if I'm going to be your pastor, it's the way it is now. Amen? Not because I was being mean, but because I wanted them to step into what they were supposed to step into. Amen? And I didn't want to be deterred in what I was supposed to do by doing their job. Amen? And so it's important that we see how God constructs these things and how God ministers these things. And when we need something we don't have, we pray for it. And God will send it. It goes on, and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. 
and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and hath commanded me all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You see, Joseph took notice. Joseph took notice of what God had provided and what God had allowed and what God was doing. The story that God was writing in him. He acknowledged it. And that's, friend, something you've got to do. For you to see the power of God moving and working in your life, you've got to pay attention. You've got to pay attention. You've got to see God moving. Amen. And when it's impossible for you, it's not impossible for God. So if you're paying attention, you will see God move mountains. Amen. In the early stages of this thing, there was a whole lot of hurdles and there was a whole lot of stuff that didn't make sense, that didn't line up and look like catastrophe was just ahead. And John and I prayed and John and I fasted and John and I believed. And it always just happened. There were times in our own situation that, that Sam and I would talk. And I was like, I don't know the answer here. This doesn't make sense. How can this be? God opened this door. God allowed this to happen. How, is all, how are all of these things beginning to fall apart? She's like, what are we going to do? I think we're just going to trust. We're just going to keep walking. We're just going to keep believing. And guess what? The things that seemed impossible just happened. Just happened. And guess what? We took note. Amen? And when you start to take note of the powerful things that God is doing in your life, guess what? You get a little swagger in your step. Amen? And I'm not talking about anything braggadocious, and I'm not talking about anything prideful. I'm not talking about anything of look at me, but I'm talking you get a little swagger in your step of, oh, door, you better open. Oh, mountain, you better move because God is working on my behalf. You better not stand in front of me, adversary, because God is on this road, and God is going to do the things that I can't do. You better not murmur about behind my back because he got me oh you're not listening to me listen this morning i'm here to tell you that the enemies that stand in your way god will pluck them up and remove them and he'll do it in a way that makes it known for all to see amen and so it is important that we choose to see the things that god is doing on our behalf joseph did just that he gave us, he gave us the whole explanation right there. I just read it to you. God is doing all of this for me, and it's been entrusted to me, and I will not sin against Potiphar. No, I will not sin against God because I see what he's doing. I see how he's working. I see the things he's doing on my behalf. I won't mess that up. Amen? Friend, I am here to tell you when the anointing hits your life and the power of God begins to move in you and around you and on you and he starts to do things that you know are him and only him and you take notice of those things, if you're not writing that story, 
Something's wrong with you, pal. Something's wrong with you, friend. Because here's what happens. We choose less. We quit our stories. We quit what's ordained. We quit what's anointed. And we choose something less. Joseph wanted that. He could have pulled it off. done it. Could have stepped into it. Could have lived it. But I promise you, God would have removed it anyway. You say, well, I don't know that it did him a whole lot else good. Look what happened to him. He ends up in jail, but the jail was part of the story. You see, that's what we don't understand. The difficulty and the hardship and the pain that followed was all part of the story to get Joseph to the next level to get Joseph to the next place, to get Joseph to the next dream that he interprets so that he could stand up in front of all of Egypt, not just Potiphar's house anymore. And you see, sometimes a lot of us, that's good for us. We're okay with Potiphar's house. We'll just stay here. Amen. When God's saying, no, 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 no. I want you here. This is your story. This is where you're supposed to be. This is where I want you. And oh, you have no idea how I'm going to redeem your You have no idea how I'm going to save a nation because I'm going to put you here. Amen? It's part of the story. So Joseph refused. And she couldn't, Potiphar's wife couldn't stand it. So she lied. She made up lies. Created, she created a, a, a moment of chaos thinking she was bringing Joseph down. Now here's the interesting part. It tells us, a lot about, tells us a lot about Potiphar's wife, but it also tells us a lot about Joseph. Because guess what? What would most of us have done in that moment? We'd have quit. That jail cell would have slammed shut. And we would have started whining and crying. I did everything you wanted me to do, God, and here I am in jail. And trust me, that would, that would, that would stink, right? That would be horrible. I'm not taking that away from anyone, right? We, we should all probably be frustrated and agonize over that a little bit. I, I get it, right? I'd be right there with you. But what I would hope we would all do, if we're truly walking in that anointed story, that was given to us in our mama's belly is we would do like Joseph. We would kick off the dust. We would stand up and we would start marching again. Trusting God to do what only God can do. That's what Joseph did. That is exactly what Joseph did. It would have been easy to quit. No one would have blamed him to have quit. Everyone would have looked at his situation and his scenario and his story and say, man, dude, just give up. What did Job's wife say? What did Job's wife say to him? In in the midst of that calamity, Job's wife said, curse God and die. Amen? 
And for a righteous man like Job, I have to believe that his wife was pretty close by, right? But the calamity and the chaos drove her to a point that she said, curse God and die. Amen? And I'm sure Joseph had every place to make that choice. And in our, in our way of justifying everything today, I'm sure we would look at Joseph's situation, and we're like, hey, I get it. Bro, I get it. Yeah, we'll just all sit here and whine together. Right? We'll all just have quitters club. Right? Because that's what we do. That's what we do. We justify it. And then we hold hands and lament together. Never part of the story. You hear me? It's what we do. We all quit and we join hands and lament together. And then that becomes that becomes our story. That becomes who we are. We self justify ourselves out of saving a nation. Amen. You say, well, maybe I'm not called to save Israel. No, but are you called to save a bunch of kids up in the gym? Huh? Are you called to save the person sitting across this auditorium from you this morning? Are you called to save the stranger that you're going to run into on the street when you leave this place today? Are you called to be a positive example into someone's life who's considering taking theirs? like Joseph said, there's a whole lot more to live for. There's a whole lot more to work for. I'm not going to give up all God has promised for whatever you're selling. And trust me, Satan will sell it on a level that we, we sometimes have a hard time hearing. But I promise you, God has the power. God has the everything you have to offer to see you through every trouble spot to see you through every jail cell amen i'm not saying you're going to wind up and in jail today okay but sometimes jail is just a figment sometimes jail is just just ideology of the things that trap us and the things that chain us and the things that purposefully keep us from accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish. Sometimes we're imprisoned by our own choices. And God's power and anointing leaves us because he's no longer pleased. And friend, that's a jail in itself. That's a a prison cell in itself. And we are promised more and we are called to better. I encourage you, don't quit. Don't choose something cheap and nasty in place of what God has promised. Amen? And I'm not just talking about Potiphar's wife wanting wanting him to lie with her. Amen? Don't cheat on your taxes. Amen? Take what's yours. Amen? Even Jesus says that. Give give Caesar his and you take yours. Amen? So so take what's yours, but, but don't cheat. Amen? Don't lie. Amen? Don't, don't create something to, to appease who you want to be and, and what your flesh wants to please itself. 
Step into what God gives and what God wants and allow that, allow that to be your reward and accept it. Paul said, I, I've learned to abound and I've learned to obey. Amen. If God blesses me with a lot, I'm thankful for that. If God blesses me with a little, I'm thankful for that because I'm focused on my story. Amen. I'm not focused on the bank account. I'm focused on my story. I've learned to abound and I've learned to obey. And then last, I'll close with this this morning. Joseph had every reason to strike out against his brothers. Joseph had every reason to throw them in jail. Joseph had every reason to put them through the proverbial hell that he was put through. Joseph had every reason to do that. And as a, as a bunch of human beings, we would look at his story, we would look at his travail, we would look at all the crap he had to deal with over this time period, and we'd be sitting there going, I could have killed him right now. Don't tell me you wouldn't. Don't tell me you wouldn't. We'd all be sitting there saying, I'll give it to him. Put him in jail. Make him suffer. Let him wonder. Let him think their head's going to get cut off. Let him have it, Joseph. Amen. I see your Facebook post. I know how you think. Amen. Me too. Guilty too. Amen. I have my own moments. But how did Joseph respond? He wanted to see his brothers. He wanted to see Benjamin. So he orchestrated it to where they all came. And he took them in. Didn't have to. Could have let them starve to death. Could have sat there, stuck his tongue out, give him one of these. Shouldn't have thrown me in that hole. Shouldn't have stained my cool coat with blood. this is the greatest mark of Joseph's life. He responded and he dealt in love. And it's the greatest part of our story where I think we fell, where I think we fall down, and where I think we slip up. Because we choose to see people and we choose to see things and we choose to see situations as we see them and as we think about them and as the world thinks about them and we don't respond in love. If there's any example that Jesus teaches me again and again and again, it's about being compassionate. It's about loving those who probably don't deserve it and figuring out how to make them a pathway to life. That's exactly what it is. You see, there is a lot of times that when it comes to making that kind of move, we'll quit. There's a lot of times that when it comes for us giving up that pride and giving up that part of ourself that we want to hold on to when it comes to that point and that place to where we're challenged to sacrifice, that it's, that's a little much, God. You remember what they did? And, and you want me to do what? Mem remember what I went through? 
Remember how that hurt? Remember how tough that was? Remember how hard that was? And you want me to do what? Clearly, you understand, God. You see, that's how we pray, right? And then here, try this. Try this. Why? This hurts. God, this is hard. Tear down these mountains. Bring this mountain down. So I can be with my Lord. Let me finish this tour. And let me finish it with might. Let me finish it with power. And let me save this world. And let me do it again. So that years from now, people talk to me about what you how you saved your people and how you delivered them and brought back everything that was lost. Let me be part of that story. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we say, yep, nope, not this guy. Too much. Too hard. Too difficult. Too much chaos. Too much, too much, too much, too much, too much. I'm too tired. Right? Y'all have heard me say it many times. I don't get tired. I don't. Right? Y'all sitting there thinking, oh man, he's going he's gonna to throw down some God on me. Right? I don't get tired. I just stay that way. <laughs> but it's good. It's okay. I'm okay with that. Because I'm writing a story. And it's a story that he put in my gut when I was born again. So today I encourage you as part of this what's your story idea. A lot of you can't enumerate and can't can't communicate what your story is because you're too busy finding every reason to quit. You're too busy finding every reason to, to lay it down. You're finding every reason to not measure up. You're finding every reason to stop. Because you're finding every reason to hold on to the stuff and listen to the stuff that holds you back. So I'm simply telling you this morning, hey, stop it. Stop it. Stop the whining. Stop Stop the crying. Stop the evaluating. And stop the Stop the bad decisions and stop the, the anger and stop the negativity and stop the stuff that influences you away from the story. And quit quitting. Quit quitting. Because there is a powerful God that wants to move in your life. Quit choosing less than what he's already promised you. Quit looking for better when all you need to do is walk with him. God provide for you. I hear all the time everybody I went to school with getting married. Everybody I went to school with having babies. Are you walking in your story? Because if you are, that's okay. Amen? Most of the people I went to school with were married before they were 21, 22, hadn't even finished college. I'm not judging. I'm not judging, but a lot of them ended up divorced. And, and, and in bad situations that lasted, you know, for most of their lives. 
And I was on my way to that. I mean, God wanted me to preach. Crazy, right? Crazy. And I determined that if, if this was what God really wanted, nothing else mattered. Quit dating. Quit running around. Quit doing stuff. poured myself into the word and I poured myself into everything that, that God showed me I needed to do. And through the process, I fell in love. Got a good wife. God restored everything that I chose to sacrifice. But I'm here to tell you that if you quit, if you quit, if you stop, chaos and turmoil and trouble came into your life and, and you laid things down. You're not really different than anybody else. But today, today can be the day you stop. Today can be the day that you choose what your story is of God. And there's only one. There's only one story that matters. That's the story God told me in his word. In the word. That's the way he wanted it. So I encourage you this morning. If you quit, I get it. But what I don't get is if you quit. Don't get that at all. It's hard. It hurts. I got a shoulder. I got a strong arm that holds you up. If it looks scary, if it looks uncertain, <laughs> dude, I get it. I'll walk with you. Just don't quit. Just don't quit. Let's do this together. This morning, as they come and they get ready to sing, I want you to know. And I thought it was so appropriate when you know I don't I don't ever share my message with these guys. And, and whatever they're doing and, and so forth. And, you know, I kind of had the message nailed down for this morning. And um, Lindsay sends her set list Thursday evening, and I see that, you know, what they planned and, and if they changed it. I, I'm saying all this for nothing, but I don't think they changed it. Um, but she said that she was, she was going to sing Waymaker for the altar call Sunday. <laughs> I just kind of had to giggle, Chris. I was kind of like, yeah, you got, you got this all figured out. We just, we just think we're figuring stuff out. You got it all figured out. Friend, this morning, I, I want you to embrace the way maker. This morning, I want you to say, it's time I quit doing it my way. I want you to say, it's time I quit listening to the negative voices. Today, I want you to say that this is the day and this is the moment that I quit choosing less. And today is the day. Now is the time. This is the moment that I choose you God I choose you God because I believe you have a story and I believe you put it in me the same as you put it in Jeremiah and I believe that you'll tear down the mountains and I believe that you will make a way for my story just like you did Joseph so today today we do it together 
Today we stand side by side, arm in arm, believing and trusting that God is who he says he is. And he will see you through. He's the way maker. Let's stand.